Hey friends, before we get started with this episode, just wanted to encourage you to head over to our website, strategicfamilies.com, where you can get lots of free resources for families and also sign up for our email list for new content. All right, thanks and enjoy. You will never win the fight against time. Time is going to continue to march on. You can't stop it. You can't save it. And you can look at it always from a deficient standpoint, or you can look at it and go, I'm just going to harness what I have, be a good steward of what I have. And one of my favorite quotes is John Maxwell. It is leaders don't kill time. They execute it. Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast where we challenge your family to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel-centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. So glad you've chosen to join us today. So my guests in this episode are old friends of mine and people that I admire so much, Ben and Mary Craft. We've known each other for a long time, but our families have been able to spend time together these last few months, and it's just been really cool to reconnect with them. Ben and Mary are an awesome example of parents that are strategically raising a family that honors Christ. They're really incredible people, but at the same time, they're ordinary people like me and you. They're in the thick of it with us, trying to raise our kids to know Christ, to love Christ, and to be on mission for Christ. Ben and Mary are also just really practical, and you'll hear that in a lot of what they share with us during this interview. So our main topic today is how we can systematize things in our family life, the things that just have to get done, to allow us to focus more of our time on important long-term goals. So I really think you're going to be blessed by what they have to share with us today. If you haven't already, make sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. You can also check out our Patreon page if you'd like to support production of the podcast. All right, on to the show. Well, I am so excited to introduce to you guys today some of my most favorite people on the planet, Ben and Mary Craft. Ben and Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Absolutely, man. That's a tall order with two of your favorite people on the planet. I know you live with. I know you live with five others. So, yeah. Oh well, no. I just I, I love you guys and I'm just so thankful to be in community with you. And just for our listeners, a little bit of background. So Ben and Mary and I go way back. Actually, man, like 20 years or something, more than 20 years now to our time at the University of Virginia. And actually, Ben and I go back even further than that. We used to uh, drive each other to school, Allegheny High School up there in Virginia. So we've got a lot of history and it's been really cool to uh, be back in fellowship with you guys. Recently, our daughters are around the same age and getting to be better friends. And it's just such a really cool thing to be in community with you guys. So I wanted to have you guys on the show today. For two reasons. Number one, as I said, you're awesome people. You have an awesome family. But secondly, you also have a ton to teach us about healthy family life. And you have taught me and Katie so much already. And I want to take some time in this episode to share a lot of what you guys do with our listeners and with me. I mean, selfishly, I want to continue to learn from you guys too. So could you guys just start by introducing yourselves to our listeners? Yeah, no, absolutely. I I do remember getting in that old Honda Accord. It was baby blue driving up, picking me up in my sophomore year of high school. And I have to say, such an honor to be on on the Strategic Families podcast. We have received 
tremendous amount of value from this, just as our family implemented a lot of the things that they've talked about, the chip system and things like that. And uh, it's really allowed us to take our systems to to even the next level. Um, But more importantly for me, is I want to take you back from high school and we always talk about our families and we talk about the impact that their peers are going to have on them. And I do think that they have a significant impact. Um, But I'll tell you, if there is, there's one person that I can point to that was extremely well-versed and extremely out front with their faith, even through uh, the crazy time of high school, it was always, always Graham Clark, which drew me, drew me to him and drew me to listening to, you know, I'm going way back here, Stephen Curtis Chapman and the, uh, and and listening to that. But then also uh, it's what drew us to live together at the, uh, at the university of Virginia and a lot of formation that I had. Yes. Came back to what I grew up with in growing up in uh, growing up in church with, you know, the legacy of faith in my family, but more importantly, I saw what that looked like as, uh, as young men as well. So, but for Mary and I, we, as we talked about, we met at the university of Virginia, we're married and, and now going to celebrate 17 years of marriage. We have three beautiful daughters, uh, oldest is 10, our middle uh, will turn nine and our youngest will turn six. So I call it the estrogen ocean, but uh, <laughs> you know what? They'll, they'll love me long after I, I deserve it for sure. Uh, professionally, all of my career has been in education. I was a former middle school teacher and then transitioned out into educational technology where I consult larger school divisions on how to best effectively use their data. And yeah, so wife and mom, um, my favorite roles, but I did work in the corporate world for a while as well. My corporate background was in insurance. I did high level claim work for several years, um, stepped away from that right under three years ago. And uh, we run a business as well. So involved in that too. So uh, that's kind of where we, where we've landed. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. I love that you guys are in business together. That's Honestly, that's one of my dreams with Katie. I just, I love the idea of working together. I love that you guys are getting to do that. And I think it shows you guys are just so on the same page. And that's one of the things that's so life-giving about being with you guys and having conversations. So, okay, cool. So our topic today is all about systematizing your home. Mary, I know this is something that you've thought a lot about and how it can save us mental energy and all that kind of stuff. You mentioned that to us a few months ago and, and we were like, man, that's such a cool topic. So could we just start by... You know, what do you mean by the word systematize? And then what can that what can that look like in our homes? Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of sounds fancy, but it's honestly just the application of putting systems in place. And I think an easier, even more simplified way to refer to that is even putting routines in place. So because I think that that is something that people are a little bit more familiar with. And, you know, the background on this is, you know, it's funny, it came from a tougher part in life, honestly, um, a couple of years that were um, maybe not, it was even as long as years, but a season that was truly trying. And so I always try to rely on Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. So we're pulling good <laughs> um, from a, a, a challenging season. Uh, but uh, really we were, things were trucking, things were going well. Uh, we had, you know, life was moving as it should. And then Everything seemed to change all at once. Uh, Not all of it was planned. And it put us in a time where things got uncanny, like very, very busy, busier than uh, probably 
was sustainable long-term. Um, we added a third child to the mix that was planned. Um, but, uh, but, uh, Ben's work picked up our business had some extra things we were putting together my job season things there picked up as well. And then on top of that, Ben's travel for work picked up, like everything all of a sudden came crashing and it was a perfect storm of, of, uh, life situations and, cir- and circumstances and why we were prayerfully involved in making sure we needed to be involved in all of those places and seeing if there was anything we needed to prune. We didn't feel that at the time that there was anything we had, didn't, weren't feeling called out of something in that particular season. And so we just leaned in and figured out how to make that season work where we were. And I think one of the things we did there was this idea of systemization or systemizing because we all have so many plates spinning and sometimes they're spinning faster and sometimes there's more than other pieces, but they're all always spinning. And it's really been always important for us to have priorities, but then be able to put time and energy into those priorities as well. And this is just a way that through a difficult season, we figured out how to keep doing this and to do this in in life for our family. So for us, it was really taking an inventory of the things that may not be super significant, but that take a lot of mental energy in our life. And I encourage people and I actually like sat down and made a list like, what am I spending a ton of mental energy on? And maybe even what am I spending a lot of time on that in the end isn't producing or creating a legacy, isn't necessarily going to impact other people on a high level, bring people into the kingdom, all of those things. What are these things that are happening that take a ton of me away from maybe things I'd rather be doing or should be doing? And that is really what led into taking, you know, understanding where all my mental, we call it mental real estate, understanding where all of that was going and making sure it was going into the right pieces. So that is really what we are, we're talking about in regards to systematize, putting systems in place or systematizing parts of your life. So you can uh, better utilize the more important things. Wow. I love that term mental real estate. What a great term. I'm going to use that. You should. With my kids. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, what's, I think what's really helpful about that is it's kind of like, there's only so much, you know, so if you think about real estate, it's like, there's a chunk of land, I can see it, you know, and it can be divided up, but there's no more. That's it. And the same is true with our brains, basically. I mean, we only have a certain amount of things that we can focus on. And I love that you guys have put so much energy and time into thinking about being strategic about that and saying like, hey, we can't do everything. And I think, honestly, I think that's one of the lies of the world. Could we say it that way? That you can do everything. You can have it all. Like that's not the way it works. The way it works is we have to prioritize certain things and deprioritize other things, you know, say yes to some things by saying no to other things. So I love that you guys are doing that. So, okay, let's bring it into the, the craft home specifically. Um, and either one of you can, can jump in here, but what does it look like? What are some of the things that you've said, okay, we don't want to spend a ton of time on this so we can make this more efficient so we can focus on other things. Yeah, absolutely. From a mom's, some of these are from a mom's point of view, but hopefully dads are hopping in to help on some of these things too. Love it. Uh, but I think when I looked at, you know, took my, our, our uh, inventory on what am I spending so much time and mental energy on? Obviously top of the list is housework, right? And I have a to-do list always. Uh, it's how I'm just an organized, I like to organize things that way. But there was constantly tons of things that need to be done around the house and they never disappeared. <laughs> it was like, as soon as you got one done, another showed up or the same one you just got done showed back up, right? <laughs> You're um, like, I just did this. <laughs> when you have three or four kids, laundry never goes away. It's just on That's the list, right? right? Um, and so that, it- That was, if I interject, that was the biggest <laughs> advice I got from someone when they said, you will be 
amazed at the amount of laundry uptick when you add a third child to the mix and they weren't lying. They were not so funny. I think about the analogy that I have is I heard this. I don't know if this is true, but it's at least funny. It's like, you know, there's a guy painting the golden gate bridge and it takes so long that by the time he gets back to the beginning, it's like, I just need to keep painting because yeah. <laughs> this part needs to be repainted. It's like a laundry can feel like that sometimes. Like I just did this. It's super true. Cool. But all of it, I mean, to me, honestly, all of it felt like that. Right. And so, and so I wrote down, I, I just took time and I wrote down everything that needed to be done around the house. Um, so whether it's laundry, bathrooms, floors, I mean, the list goes on as far as cleaning and, and taking care of those household duties. And then I got a calendar of a week and I put everything on there. And so, and some things don't have to happen every week, but the ones that, that did went on the week. And then I had a miscellaneous space on Thursdays, right. Of, uh, of when, if something broke and needed to be fixed or something random needed to be cleaned or taken care of, or someone needed a button sewn on, you know, like whatever it may be, those all got thrown into the miscellaneous space. So I wasn't constantly trying to figure out when I'm, when am I going to do these things that need to get done, but aren't super significant long-term. Um, but you have to have clean dishes. So, you know, it's important to figure out when they fit. So I'm no longer running around trying to figure out when I'm going to do laundry or when I'm going to clean the floors. I know it's floor Friday. So we're going to, I know Friday mornings, I'm going to vacuum and mop if it, you know, and and that's just what happens on that day. And so I'm not constantly trying to keep up with the mental energy of all of that. And I know like Ben and I talk about so many, maybe I shouldn't say so many people, we um, ran across just decision fatigue. You know, there's so many decisions we have to make on a regular basis. There's hundreds every day. And the more of those that aren't really putting creative energy into your family and um, things where you need creative energy, let's try to eliminate those if possible and just put them in places. So you're not making decisions. They're just happening. And so it's just creating a routine and then sticking to, to that routine for that. Likewise with meals, I know for moms, like I don't mind cooking, but coming up with what we're going to have for me is just like, oh, is not, is just not my favorite. It's, um, t- takes lots of creative energy because you want it to be healthy, but there's five people who have to like it, or at least somewhat. I go for four. <laughs> if we get four healthy, 80% is good no, enough. Two, two people have to like it. Mary and myself. Everybody <laughs> else, they, how do you get your kids to eat the vegetables? Only put vegetables on their plate. That's right. That how Eventually, you your kids will eat those vegetables. That's that's right. Right. That is true. But you know what I mean? Um, it was just a challenge, like mentally it was a challenge. So I, um, this is kind of, you know, moved over time and and changed, but I started with, I made 30 meals. I wrote them all down on a plate, on a piece of paper with the entree. I said on a plate, I was going to say on a plate, I wrote them all down on a plate. No, I put the food on the plate, the ideas on paper and, um, did like an entree and the side dishes and set it all up. And then literally just put them all over the mat all over my calendar for the month. So we had a different, the meals were figured out for the month. It's melded now. You know, we do now, like I do it in, um, uh, topics. So Monday's Italian, Tuesday's Mexican, Wednesday's a soup, Thursday's is chicken, Friday's is whatever, but like, I just make it so I don't have to come up with stuff. Like it's just a given and it's there and, um, it moves within those spaces and topics, but it is super easy just to take that off my plate. So I don't have to think about it and can put energy into other stuff. Oh, no pun intended. Take that off your plate. Oh hey, yeah. Nice. So good. <laughs> pun, pun intended. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that just as you, as you scope out, you know, Mary went through kind of the way that our personal week may look, but ultimately if you take a, if you just take a moment and scope out a lot of times your, your weeks will have themes, whether it is, okay, I always find myself doing something on this day, right? So make that the day you do it. 
So you don't have to rethink of when is it going to get done in anticipation, because instead of having a massive snowball, it's like, no, I know there are a ton of ton. There is a ton of laundry that needs to get done, but that's what I do on Monday. Right. So you take that decision out of your head. So you don't feel like you're constantly in an indeficient mode, because I'll, I'll say one of the biggest pieces we we heard was you will never win the fight against time. Time is going to continue to march on. You can't stop it. You can't save it. And you can look at it always from a deficient standpoint, or you can look at it and go, I'm just going to harness what I have, be a good steward of what I have. And one of my favorite quotes is John Maxwell. It is leaders don't kill time. They execute it. And so really think through what are the themes of my week and now how can I look and go, what do, what do I actually have versus what do I not have? And I think you'll put yourself in a much better position. That is awesome. That is like, you guys are such pros. But I love that you have thought through this so strategically and yeah, just saving that mental energy. And, you know, I think it can sneak up on us. Like we don't think we're spending time on things, but when you stop and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a system for this. I just, I've got to think about, it. you're right. It takes mental energy, but when you take that out of the equation and say, oh no, it's, you know, it's Mexican Tuesday, which by the way, what time do you guys start dinner on Mexican Tuesday? I'm just wondering when I should <laughs> be in the neighborhood. There's a, there's a, there's a system for that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, guys, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Okay. So uh, one of the questions that came to us as we were preparing for this interview is just how you determine whether something should be just an efficiency thing that we should knock out versus, no, this is something that want to save time for. What kind of framework do you guys use to determine? Mary, you talked a little bit about it, some of the household things that we all have to get done, but I don't know, just help me think through how you guys figure out what's, what's on the efficiency list versus what's on the priority list. Yeah. And I think that you can, I think it always starts with your core values as your family, right. And really evaluating what those are. And there's so much wealth of resources from the strategic families podcast. I know that there's been even an earlier episode, one of the, one of the first couple that talked about, there was a gentleman, I can't remember his name, but listed all their core values out and you had had dinner and you were, you were talking about that and it creates conversations we've walked through that as well. So I think starting with your core values is super important because that will tell you where do you need to invest your time right. right, on those core values? What is putting us closer to these core values? But ultimately, when you get down to it, tasks can be systematized. Relationships can't be systematized. True. You can't systematize a relationship, but you can systematize the time spent on relationships and community. And so really, if you break it down, why are you doing this anyway? To free up time to do the things that you were ultimately wanting to do to begin with. And you can't always do what you want to do before taking care of what you actually need to do first. Right. And so once those go off the, off the plate, then it becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. For instance, for us, this was probably, I don't know, maybe two years ago, maybe not even that, maybe a year and a half ago, we looked at it and our girls are getting older and I want to purposefully put time into them as a dad to help them understand what should this relationship look like and model that as they become young women and how they're going to be able to think uh, on their own. So, I, you know, we take specific time with them. And what I was realizing was Mary did such an amazing job of stepping back and going, okay, 
we have a we have a time on Sundays we get together. We call it our board meeting that she and I talk and we discuss what's coming up the next the week. We talk about the girls individually because all of our kids are individuals. Um, we can do things corporately as a family, but there are some specific needs that each of them have. And we found ourselves going, you need to spend some time with, with, with Cabell, you need to spend some time with Bremer, or this is what's going on. But she had an amazing idea. So we take for us is the first Friday of every month when we can, right? We'll move it around if we have to. The first Friday of every month becomes my specific time with one of the girls. And so we have three. So 12 months out of the year, it alternates and they will get four individual dates with me. Um, outside of our normal family time that they get to spend. And so what that allowed, two things. It allowed me to free up the mental real estate of constantly feeling in deficit, going, oh, I got gosh, I really got to spend some time with Brimmer. When am I going to work that in? To this is specific time that I have laid out. The second thing it did was the most, this is a hint for all you guys out there. The biggest part of your relationship is anticipation. It's the thought that's putting in. It's like you, you think of your date night with your, your wife as, hey, yeah, do you want to go out to dinner? Well, think about it the week before and go, this is when we're going. The totally. anticipation builds that. And so it builds up for our daughters that they know, oh, this is mine and it's coming up and they get to they get to maximize benefit and I get to maximize benefit as well. So it was very little effort that took to that decision, but maximum output and benefit that we that we get from it. So that's just a kind of the way that we think about it. It's just you can automate most tasks. You can't automate the relationships, but automate your way to allow you to have margin of time to really spend on those. Guys, I tear up easy. Okay, so that's a caveat, but I'm like on the verge here. That's just beautiful. I mean, like just thinking of you guys building that in and being so strategic, saying like, this is so important that we need to make it, we need to put it on the calendar. And the the idea of your girls looking forward to that and knowing they're going to have time with their dad. I mean, goodness, if I could write a law, it would be... (laughs) Dads will spend one one night a quarter with their daughters, you know, like in dedicated focus, face-to-face time. That that is amazing. And uh thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. Now I'm thinking of this like I, I'm thinking of a family listening to this and saying, like, this sounds great. I'm gonna I can knock out, you know, some things, I can system systematize some things. But we also know that this can get challenging. You know, it, it sometimes we get a lot of energy about it and then it's hard to stay the course. So I would just love to know. And Mary, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. How do you keep it going? Um, How do you keep that energy? Because once you have a system up, it takes effort to keep it going. So what's the secret to making that long-term? Yeah, so I think some of it's habit building, right? I think depending on what book you read, it takes 30 or 60 days or sometimes other ones. Um, I think one or something, you know, to build an actual habit. It and takes so, more than one day. It right? does. <laughs> so there does need to be, and you know, an intentional like burst of like, we are going to do this. But I think once things get rolling, some of them become almost automatic. Some of them will just kind of, kind of roll into life. But something that I always come back to that I heard many um, years ago is the way things are now are not the way they're always going to be. And I think that that's true in a good way and in a bad way. And so the things that are tough right now, aren't always going to be tough, you know, but the moments you have right now aren't, you're not always going to have either. And so um, there is a big component of this, of try failing and adjusting, you know, I know that's what we're constantly thinking, like, is what we're doing working. So these date nights, like they totally work. Like they, the girls talk about them years after 
anticipate them coming up. Like they are something that has really been special for those relationships. We used to do like a mommy time back when they were in preschool, like little, just one, cause it was hard to get one-on-one time with me. And it wasn't, it was in the house. It was a half hour, you know, whatever, but like all of their preschool things said, like my favorite thing about your mom, you know, you fill these out for mother's day and all of them said mommy time. And it was literally this half an hour, like once a week. Well, we don't do mommy time anymore because mommy time faded <laughs> when they started real school and like life changed in different ways. We have other um, intentional ways of spending time with mom, but like, it's just try failing and adjusting. It worked in that season. It doesn't, it's not something we're doing or that works in this season, but you know, as uh, times change, we just changed with it. And so it's just constantly evaluating that balance game is what we're doing working. Is there something better we could put into place? And for the things that aren't working, let's try something new. And we've tried something new multiple times and it fell flat on its face. So we're trying something else new. You're, you're on to plan like D or E. And it's, uh, but at some point you figure out something that will work. And it's just your commitment to, right. to figuring out and wanting to really prioritize those relationship pieces. So. Yeah. And I think as you think about it, as you begin to evaluate, some of you may be thinking, wow, we've got, we're, we're on good, good trajectory. And the fact that you're actually seeking out knowledge and perspective from individuals that are in the race with you, um, not that we're in a race, but it's just the, the race of life, right? I think that that's the first step, right? It's just having a heightened awareness. The second thing is realize you can't do everything overnight. So choose the biggest impact and slowly add that system in and you yeah. will gain momentum. If you've ever thought financially, you talk about the snowball debt, right? Effect of paying off the smallest with the highest interest rate first, you capture momentum. We are people of systems. So capture the biggest piece first, add that block on too. That's how you can become sustainable. If you try to change everything all at once, you're going to be frustrated. <laughs> if you have kids, they're going to be frustrated because yes. it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we go from ditch to ditch. Well, no, just veer back on and realize, you know yeah. what? Time is on your side, build momentum and, uh, and, and you'll be able to, to really bite that. Uh, I guess, eat that elephant, right? I eat the frog. Yeah. Well, you can eat the frog to do the hard thing. You bite the elephant. You had to eat an elephant one bite at a time. That was the point. Yeah, one bite at a time. That's nice. right. That's right. Well, yeah. I mean, and I, I love that illustration. You guys have probably seen the, the whole rock illustration. You know, you put the big rocks in first and then the smaller rocks. And then, yeah. And that's, you know, kind of what you were talking about with the, with your daughters. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing is saying, you know, I'm not sure what else is going to happen, but I know this is going to happen. Like this is on the calendar. This is scheduled. You can look forward to this. And then other stuff, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out because what can happen is, you know, we, if we just let life go, we can convince ourselves that we're so busy that we don't have time for some of these more important things. And I mean, we can all agree that FaceTime with your daughters, it, there is no substitute for that on planet earth. They need you. They need mom and dad looking them in the eye, telling them that they're beautiful and loved and, you know, all that. And, and I just love that you guys have prioritized that. It's wonderful. Okay, so now I'm interested in what part they, you know, we talked about your kids a little bit, two-part question. I wonder if you could talk about what part they play in some of the systematizing that you do and how we can train our kids to systematize things in their own lives, obviously in age-appropriate ways. But yeah, what does that look like for you guys to involve your kids? I think first of all is realize that in any relationship you're in, particularly with your kids or whatever, people will perform to the level of your expectation. And if we expect things out of individuals, they will rise to that level. So I know a lot of times we Amen. think about age appropriateness, which is 
extremely important, but also give children the ability to maybe get it, get it a little wrong and kind of guide them and through that, because ultimately how we're not, we're not teaching them to struggle. And eventually they will have the inertia against something I'm doing is not working. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily not meant to do it. It means that you just haven't overcome the initial thought process of some grit and perseverance. So that's what I will, I will say, because so many times we can go right back to, to the, uh, to the levels that we, that we wanted to. So, but for our kids, a couple things are, you know, first of all, we set systems in place for our family and it's what was based upon our core values as our family. We don't let them dictate a lot of those. Um, some of the, they can have some margin within, but we set, these are the priorities. This is where we wanted to. So for instance, the chip system that uh, Graham and Katie had introduced, we loved it and we, uh, we implemented it and we were able to sit down, Mary and I talk about it, right? So we talk about what needs to be systematized first. Then we make sure we're on the same page and then we collectively communicate that to our children so that then we can answer all their questions. One of them has 18,000 questions all the time. They want to know all the contingencies plans. Or we just laugh. <laughs> Another one's just like, okay, we'll see if they're serious, but then they realize we're serious. And then the other one's like, okay, awesome. So there's flexibility, but you have to make sure we're on the same page and then we implement them into the new system. And I think by default, right, as we've established these rhythms, our rhythms become their rhythms. So their laundry is now, once they have the ability to fold, it may not be to the level that you want to fold it, but you give them some agency and they do it. They do that on the day that we we do those areas. And I think that we've even seen it come through some of their lives as well. We were talking about a, a couple of examples. Yeah. They, I mean, they're watching us and they, it's, it's, what we do, you know, so I know um, our older two girls are getting into cooking and uh, partake, you know, starting to help with free prep and different things there. And so they, they know what night of the week they're doing that <laughs> uh, because we put it on a calendar. Like, I'm like, if they want to cook something, I'm like, that's awesome. You know, pick your meal, whatever. And then we put it on the weekly menu thing. And so um, it's involving them in that. And so I know they're absorbing some of that from the, just honestly, like watching by example. And then, you know, it's training them in that, like Ben, to Ben's point for their, with their own responsibilities. So there are things they do on a daily basis, whether it's making their bed and keeping their room clean, different things that contribute to the overall healthiness of the family that they have been trained into. Yeah. So, and one of our daughters, and, and for us, it's important to give them the, I'll use this term again, the agency to allow, we, we provide the framework. They have some agency as to when some of these things get done. And so many times early in our, in early in parenting, and this is only comes with just being parents, right? I, I look at my 10 year old, it's like, it's the first time I've ever parented a 10 year old. We're sorry. Please. But ultimately, there's so many times we look back and we made decisions based upon our comfort level and based upon our convenience, where actually that's the incorrect way that we need to think about it. And our personality, too. Absolutely. It's like this is inconvenient for me. So therefore, you can't do that. Well, once you establish some systems, now you've got the framework, give them some agency in between. A quick example is one of our daughters does not like taking showers in the evening for whatever reason. I don't know. But we gave her... Hey, if you want to get up 15 minutes early, you will sacrifice that time. 
but you can get up early and shower in the morning. And that's worked out for her. Her sisters have no clue why she does that because they like to sleep a little longer, but that's giving her some area. Did it create more work for us? No, but it gave her the ability to, to have some flexibility and realize, okay, what works for me? And now how can I, how can I implement that? That's super cool. Yeah. I love that idea of agency. That's so important to give our kids those opportunities to even fail sometimes and struggle and how there's so much growth that can happen with that when we give them levels of responsibility. And I love what you said, Mary, that they're always watching. And that's so true. So true. There was some breaking news in there. It sounded like you guys have figured out a way to get your kids to clean their rooms. Did I hear that right? It's the chip system, right? (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You figured out something that we have. No, I, I think I may or may not have. Uh, it came from Katie. Yeah, clean your room that. boot camp. That's yeah. right. That's awesome. And it may have come from uh, some previous classroom management uh, information <laughs> when I went through some pre-service education. But if you give people you a collective go. goal and have yes. that expectation yes. on them. Yes, it may take a couple days for you to model it, but once it's there, they have that, and then. Ultimately, they have that quiver in there or their that feather in their their quiver. They go, okay, now I remembered I did this previously. I can apply that new learning into a new situation. That's right. Amen. I'm sure that that came from Katie. I'm, I'm sure, sure that I did. That's fine. <laughs> Not No, that's excellent. Well, in in my next question, and I think we've touched on this. But one of the things I love about this is that this is intensely practical, what you guys are talking about. I mean, if someone listening, you know, could take away even just one or two and say, oh, like nights of the week that we do certain meals, like that could save so much mental energy, which is fantastic. But I also, I guess I want to go up a level here and just think about why this is so important. You know, we talk about being strategic families. To me, this is an excellent way to be a strategic family. Now, it's not perfect family that they're, they're, you know, there are no perfect families, but it is strategic. You know, what you guys are saying is we can allow ourselves more opportunities. If we, if we think in advance about the things that just have to get done and we do it more efficiently, we can be more effective over time as a family. So can you just cast a vision for us on why this is so important for families and, you know, both sides of it, what can happen if we don't, if we're not more efficient with our time? And then what can God do if we are more efficient with our time? I mean, he can do anything, you know, but we want to allow him to work. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, we've only seen it on a small scale because <laughs> our kids are little still, or I like to think they're little, um, they're getting older by the minute, but my first comment would be that um, we are very much works in progress and figuring this out. We are tri-failing and adjusting on a regular basis to to make this work um, and and doing what we can. But I think the ultimate uh, big picture is that be systematizing, putting routines in place, those sort of things create more time so they can see you pour more time into the things that are important and see you winning or uh, impacting more people in, in a way. So when you're talking, when you talk about being able to have more time with them, it's also being able to show them what ministry looks like, what serving looks like, what pouring into other people looks like. I know one of the big things um, I'm really big on, I think ultimate happiness comes from getting outside yourself and helping others. It's this, and well, I, won't go into self, the whole self-love issue that's going on right now. But the, um, the idea is that 
If you can, if you're having a bad day, like if we're having a bad day in our home, if things just aren't working, it's just, you know, things, you know, whether it's tasks or people or whatever, you know, people aren't getting along, whatever, then it's honestly time to make cookies for somebody else. If, if we can figure So if you ever get cookies, pray for our family, because you know, it's been a bad day. <laughs> you know, but like, honestly, it's like, we got to get outside of ourselves and look at some, and, and help someone else and serve someone else and go, mm-hmm. um, and, and do that. And we've done that. It's literally like, it's cookie making time. Like we need and ev- chocolate chips, never make anyone upset anyways, you know, but, um, so it's good for our soul, but it's good for some else too. And it's who can we bless? How can we get outside of this that's going on and really focus and look at someone else and be able to do something in a ministry format? And so I think that's it. I think it's really for us, it's been able to show them and actually uh, be an example for them because, you know, if everything is on our home, if everything is hundred percent centered on serving them and helping them, it's very unstable environment because they aren't stable. And so if we put the focus on our priorities, like Ben was talking about, or our standards and what, are, you know, the values of our family, and then are able to use that to go serve and impact the world at a higher level, which I believe is God's calling on anyone's life in all different ways, right? He calls all of us to love and impact, but our calling is to love the world. And we have to be an example and show that they can't see that when they're out of the house. Um, And I feel like I finally have time, like I need to make time when they're here and doing that with them. And this by creating systems and not having to worry about some of these other things, I've had more creative energy to put into how can we as a family move forward in this way and serve other people. And I think that um, everything intentional has, it requires margin and you have to have margin to be able to do anything and creating systems provides you that margin because we, we talked about, you know, time, all there is, is all there is, there is not magically going to be a 25th hour. Um, there's not, we're not going to, to be able to figure it out, but can we create margin where that allows us to then be a better example to how we can choose and direct, because we look at it from a variety of different ways. One is we're instilling into our children, our core values, right? They, they get their self image from the words that we say to them. They get their values from what they see us actually spend our time doing. And so it's important to realize time and we're getting to the age and I know Graham and I and Mary, we're all in that same age where we're seeing our parents begin to begin to age. And I want to soak all of the wisdom that they have, because ultimately I'm going to, we're going to be passing that into our kids and they're going to be generation that's going to carry forth the legacy of faith. And if we allow something else to just take care of that, then it's probably not going to get done. And so that's the first. The second thing we have to think about is ultimately within Mary and my life, there is a time that our children will will leave and they're going to constantly be a part of our lives. But it's just as important for us to build our life together and incorporate them into that because so many couples we just see, they just get so tired and they're so run down by what they're doing with their kids. And it's so important and you're pouring everything into them. But if this, if this relationship isn't still number, number two outside of your relationship with Christ, then when that, when, when it just, um, 
uh, when the time comes, you're going to find yourself just being roommates. And we never wanted to do that. We wanted to mimic to them, not only what ministry looks like, but also the greatest ministry ground we have is within our family. Once you get that now let's take to the next level. And to Mary's point, if you're having a bad day, if something is going wrong, whatever is wrong in your life, if you serve someone else in that capacity, you will find your life gets infinitely better because your problems become really small. It's amazing how it, it, you've, you've probably heard before. If you think what you're going through is the only thing that any person has ever gone through, you would not want to see what other individuals have overcome because you would wish you would wish for in your life what we what we have. But if we get scoped in so much, it's it's difficult to see that. Yeah, it is such a powerful concept when you are feeling not at your best, or if there's dissension within your family, which we all experience that the antidote is not to continue to focus in on each other, but to serve. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. And I would like to, that's, that's convicting for me and and my family. And I think that's going to be convicting for a lot of people because we don't in our flesh, like we don't, we just want what we want, you know, and we, this is why if you're in Christ, you have the spirit of God inside of you and he wants to produce good fruit out in the world. And what a great way to apply that when you're focusing in on yourself and your own problems to snap out of that, rely on the Holy spirit to work through you out into the world. That's beautiful. Thank you guys. Wow. So I think you just touched on this. You talked about your parents and mentoring. I, I know you guys mentor and you are passionate about it. Katie and I are passionate about this too. Tell us what kind of things do you share or would you share for a family that's maybe a few years behind you? Their kids are small and you know maybe they're not even in school yet and they're starting to think about some of these strategic things that they want to do with their families. What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I think one of the one of the first areas, and this has been a new a new thought process, become a little bit more crystallized in my in my brain. I'd read a book that Graham had recommended, and it was it it, it quoted the Fuller Institute on talking about intergenerational worship during high school and how that is most consistently linked to spiritual maturity in in college, where if you look at different studies, that is a major time period when individuals that have grown up in the church start to question and and many times pull away pull away from the faith. And so where I don't know if it's just the community that we grew up in, Graham, but intergenerational uh, times to spend, you know, pancake breakfasts and maybe it was just an older like we 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 got those opportunities, right? But in our growing yeah. age of kind of separating things by age, it's really difficult oftentimes for our kids to, to get around people and, and even us to get around individuals, right? I, I, I want my kids to get around people that have a limp and have scars because we want them to get around and go, okay, how can they apply this? And how does that apply to me? I don't need them to go to their peers to figure out how to get through a situation. And much like us, we don't need to go to our peers right? Even though this is an amazing podcast, we want to hear from people that are, okay, what did you learn and how can you drip that out? Like what from our parents, what is the, what would you tell the 40 year old version of yourself? And it's amazing. Everybody tells you, I'll go ahead and tell you, I, I, I challenge you. We to ask, ask this all the everybody. time. <laughs> they'll tell you, here's what they'll say. I will worry less about what other people think of me. And if there is one yeah. passion that I can get to young families is just to, if you focus on Christ, right? Keeping your eyes, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
that will take you further, but you also need to get around um, intergenerational, get those, those pieces. We had a quick, we did this. It was totally impromptu, but my, my parents, Mary's parents were in town for, uh, for an event. I think it was a birthday and we just did. And we, we had old hymns that we just sang for like 15 minutes in the living room impromptu. And I loved it because I grew up on that, but our kids were like, that was awesome. We need to do more of that. And I would have never have thought that was important. And, uh, and it's, but it's giving them the glimpse at the legacy of their faith that then they will be entrusted with, but we are to empower them before they're entrusted so that then they can continue to go. I like to take everything on like on, on a more practical level. Like I'm like, come on, give me something I can use today, please. Um, and so I just have a couple of ideas in that realm. Uh, cause the one-on-one time is super important if you have more than one kid, because I think that that is honestly moments that our kids remember, like they seem to just like photo memory on the like one-on-one times with, with parents. So I think that's been something that if even on a really small scale, you can work in, it's been helpful for us. The other thing I realized too, is even if it's one, and this is super easy nowadays with phones, take a picture every day because some days are really, really long. Like when you're a mom of littles, like some of those days you're like, has it been five days? Because it feels like if I'm being super <laughs> transparent, but some days totally. are over and you're like, I'm not even sure I, I ate like they're so fast. So like, there's this weird time component. And I felt, I have found that if you take a picture, like there's so many times I want to go back to, and there's so many times I'm looking forward to all at the same time. Like I want to go in the future and go back all at one time, but taking a snapshot seems to capture time in a very small way. And it's so cool because our kids, there's stories they tell about, we have photo albums, like with these, and some of them are like the kind you order online, you know, with your cell phone photos and stuff, they'll tell stories about pictures that there's no way they remember because they were too young. You don't have long-term memory till you're 18 months and older, you know, like there's no way they remember some of these moments and they love telling stories about this happy thing that happened. And they only know them because they see the picture and I've told stories, but it, yeah, it really like cultivates like their history for them, you know, and there have been some like really hard days, but in, in the middle of some of those days, like there is still joy to be found. So I would say that like picture taking has been really, really helpful, just like in a really small way um, of rem- like going back and realizing I didn't miss the time. I had the time. The, the funny thing is they all look happy, all the pictures. And I do have to remind myself, I don't really think I, I really don't want, <laughs> I really don't want to go back to some of them. Uh, sure, yeah. But, um, but what, you know, what a blessed time that past is and those little times are. But the one thing I have to remember is we're all broken people. And God gave your kids to you because he knew you and he formed them in the womb, just like he formed you in the womb. And he put them in your womb for a reason. And I pray every day. And I think that this has just helped me have peace in all of the different seasons of parenting, because we're all going to have faults. We're all going to have issues and they're going to be super different because God created us all differently. But every morning I'm like, God, if you can please fill in the deficiencies that I have as a mom and take over those, then I can walk in more freedom in that day and know that I'm not called to be everything. I'm just called to be me and do the best I can pursue excellence in the realm of motherhood to the best of my ability. And he's got me in the palm of his hand otherwise. So I think coming back to that prayer every morning of please fill in my deficiencies today, knowing I've totally got them, but knowing that he is that the end of the story is that we win and just reminding myself of that has been really, really helpful too. I think it's James one, five, right? If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Right. And he gives it generously. So, yeah. Yes. 
Beautiful guys. And I love just going back to something you said earlier about the importance of marriage. Strong families are built on strong marriages. One man, one woman. Marriage is biblical marriage. That's what strong families are based on. And you guys model that. And, um, and it's a beautiful thing to, to watch and to have learned from you. And thank you guys so much. It's been practical. It's strategic. It's life-giving. And there's just so much for us to learn from you guys. And um, I love the emphasis also on older generations. That's one of our hearts with this podcast and just in general, just to connect generations to one another, because you're right. We have so much to learn from those who have gone before us and they're not perfect, of course. And by God's grace, hopefully we can pass on something and we're not perfect, but hopefully we can pass on something to the next generation and watch them grow and flourish and advance the kingdom of God. I love that you guys are doing that and that you've shared so much with us today. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you're it's welcome. It's our pleasure. Yeah. I, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave with this. It's just when you think about it, so many times we're going to think that we're just lacking something. And so many stories in the Bible, Jesus is asking, what do you have? Right. With or even with with Elijah, uh, Elisha and the the oil, right, with the young widow. What do you have? I didn't ask what are you lacking with feeding the five thousand? What do you have? And so if we bring what we have, then God can multiply that. And so it really is realize you're doing okay. You're doing you're, you may not be the you may not be feeling like you're the best right now. But what do you have? What do you have to be? Right. Uh, to be grateful for what do you have that you can build upon and that's where that's where the start uh, the start really happens yeah think about jesus feeding the people and so you think about that little boy and he's like here's what i've got and, and jesus didn't even need that and yet he gives us that kind of dignity this is this is what i have it's like i can use that you know that's yeah that's amazing well before we totally wrap up are there any resources i, I know you guys just soak in all this good content. You've shared a lot with us. Are there any resources that, that you could point to that you would recommend that people read or listen to or watch? Yeah. So one, and many of your listeners maybe have, have heard about this book, but it's a book by James Clear and it's called uh, Atomic Habits. It is not um, it is not a biblical based book, but it does do a lot of talk about identity and feeling bad. And one of my favorite quotes from there is you don't rise to the level of your goals you fall to the level of your systems. So I think just those kind of system mindset, I think is a really uh, great book there. Also, we have a, a site that's called the resonantleader.com and we'll backslash contact us. If there's a specific question that someone has, um, a lot of this, we provide some, some, uh, some overarching pieces but there may be some targeted specific resources we can offer from our perspective, what we've read and what is potentially helped for us, because we know that this is highly customized to individuals, but, uh, but we can per- certainly provide some perspective there. And the third thing I'll tell you is keep listening to strategic families podcast, because there's been, and I'm not just saying this because Graham and I go so far back or I am a, we are a voracious consumer of the content that is coming out and it has impacted us uh, within, you know, just this, just since the onset of the, uh, of the podcast, going back to all of the great hosts that they've had and, and challenging us going, whoa, 
like, man, we are missing the mark here. How can we do this better? But it's not about identifying things we're not doing well. It's about identifying and getting better, right? Iron sharpens iron and continuing to, uh, to grow through that. And, uh, and then find people, the other piece, find people that are, that are ahead of you, find an older couple that just, that you can talk to and just go, I have questions. Are you willing to give that? Because what you're going to realize is as much as you're going to get from that conversation, they're going to love the fact that someone is actually asking their perspective. Yes. And uh, so many times I say, are you willing to mentor someone? Nobody ever asks, like no Mm. one literally will ask. And if you just ask, there's so much wealth of knowledge that just be quiet, listen, you may not take everything. It's like the grocery store, take what you need and then be able to apply that. It really helps. I, honestly, I think it is how we live out Romans eight twenty eight. when all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose, there's so much good inside of people from things they've gone through. And then when they get to share that, then it is living that out. So I think that's true. Yeah. It's like gold that's been refined by fire kind of, you know, they've been through so much and have come out on the other side and are faithful. And like we say, not perfect. And and that's not what it's about. It's about people that we see who are living faithfully, who are committed to Christ and have so much to pass on. I couldn't agree more that we need to ask and sit at their feet and learn. So it gives us some comfort knowing that our children have now other people that they can go to when they may not necessarily feel the most comfortable with us. We can now introduce them to godly, uh, godly parents, godly men, godly women that they can go, you know what? I'm not sure if I I feel comfortable asking mom, but I would like to maybe to get Miss Katie's recommendation on this. And we want to, and we want that. Right. And so it, it it is a, uh, it's a never ending cycle that once you harness it can really take you to the next level. Yeah. That is awesome. And my very last question is, when are you guys going to write a book? TBD. TBD. <laughs> Mary does have one cooking in her head, but I, I wouldn't go to it. So, but it's still, for a while. It, we'll we see. Can't wait to get a copy of that. All right. I'm going to hold you guys to that. That's you need to funny. write a book. You're, you've got so much wisdom. Well, this has been a joy and a privilege. Thank you guys so much for your time and, and all that you've shared with our listeners. It's our pleasure. We've gotten so much again from your podcast. We consider it an honor to have the opportunity to share. All right. Thank you. Ben and Mary, thank you guys so much for all the wisdom that you've shared with us today. You guys are wise beyond your years, and it has been such a privilege to know you and to learn from you and to take in what you've shared with us here. Keep up the awesome work. All right, parents, we can do this. Let's be thinking about how we can put systems in place so that we spend less time and mental energy on the things that just have to get done so we can focus on the more important life-giving aspects of family life, such as getting outside of ourselves and blessing others. I think if we can do that, we will be so much better equipped to do and be what the Lord is calling our families to. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.